for the first week comes to an end with our three films intertwined if you're listening to just this show because you're interested in eternal sunshine that's cool too but i will warn you up front as i've been saying on each show this week these three shows connect i'll explain a little more at the end today we're talking about eternal sunshine at the spotless mind minute one i'm here by myself and i forgot the official intro for the show i know i wrote one it's time for a little something I forget. My notes say I'm Professor Robert E.G. Black, and it's time to discuss Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. But they're erasing me, and I have no memory of any of this. Minute one. The script begins with an old woman at a random house, Knopf Tashin, trying to sell her manuscript and its future, commuters in tubes. Then we cut to 50 years earlier. It's Clementine arriving at the office for her procedure. The shooting script begins on the same morning as the film, but we learn in voiceover that Joel saw Naomi last night. First time since the breakup, we had sex. It was odd to fall into our old familiar sex life so easily. Like no time has passed. Suddenly we're talking about getting together again. I guess that's good. The movie begins with Joel waking up in bed. We will see this again in minutes 93 and 94. Notably, the sound mix is different. Here, Joel opens his eyes to the sound of the van door closing and the engine starting. In minute 93, he opens his eyes after we've been outside for both those sounds. He's wearing blue pajamas. I would point out, because all these things connect, that just like Phil Connors from Groundhog Day. Before I get more on the pajama color, Joel is surprised by his pajamas, which I'll get into more detail later when we see why he's surprised, but my question for now is, why did he buy new pajamas for a night he's not supposed to remember? It's like you just want to make it the hardest on yourself you can? Anyway, this is a movie about memory, a movie about relationships, and I will usually have guests, probably other podcasters. If you are listening to all three shows, you know that yesterday on Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute, I had the original writer of the screenplay, Danny Rubin, as a guest. Pretty hard to get in touch with Charlie Kaufman. <laughs> I wish I could have gotten him. Maybe I'll get him later. Or Jim Carrey. He's a little big for a podcast. Kate Winslet. A little big. Everyone is, really. There's not a lot of people in this movie, and they're all fairly famous. Anyway, the last thing for the minute. We see the tiny fake bird cage in the window that has a blue bird for Joel and an orange bird for Tangerine Clementine. But I wanted to read from day 258 of Groundhog Day Project, What Everybody Wants, 16th April, 2014. I did write about Eternal Sunshine the Spotless Mind for a whole week later in the blog, and I'll probably quote that at some point. But this is when I brought it up in the first year of the blog when I was watching Groundhog Day every day for a year. How happy is the blameless Vestal's lot, the world forgetting by the world forgot, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, each prayer accepted and each wish resigned. On a plane right now as I write this, Los Angeles to Dallas, then Dallas to Detroit, it occurs to me that flights are very repetitive. Details are different. A bigger plane might have personal TV screens in the back of the seats, for example, but so much is the same. I wonder if businessmen and businesswomen, traveling regularly, lose track of time. Hell, I wonder if their bodies lose track of time, like they age differently because of all those travel miles, all that time spent at high altitude. I made a new connection last night. In Groundhog Day, Phil wakes up every morning in dark blue pajamas. 
in another one of my favorite films, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Joel Barish wears pajamas that are quite similar the night his memories are erased. The screenplay refers to them simply as fresh pajamas, but someone made the decision for them to be blue, for them to be that shade of blue. Or if no one did, I would choose here to subscribe to something Banesh told me in one of her recent messages. There are no accidents. I'll interrupt the reading for a second. Banesh was a... I guess she would be a doctor now. Not a medical doctor, but she wrote her doctoral thesis about Groundhog Day. And I'm one of the only people in the world to have read it. And she was excited by that. I talked about it a lot in my blog. But I also got some messages directly from her through LinkedIn. She was referring to the presence of the copies signed by Ned's corner, but the point stands anyway. Joel's pajamas are the color they are because Phil's are the color they are. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Joel's destiny to repeat his doomed relationship with Clementine is just like Phil is doomed to repeat his Groundhog Day. And it's like all of us doomed to repeat so many things in our lives, trivial and not so trivial. Each day begins much the same, middles much the same, and ends much the same. There are variations, just like Phil finds and creates variations in his day. But so much is just the same shit different day. Gotta get up by 7, get to work by 8, eat breakfast, maybe stop for coffee, work, 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 keep busy, 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 as a baconist might say. Get some lunch, work some more, then head home to the wife and kids or to the dog or the empty apartment. Bereft of hope, the world forgetting by the world forgot. Dinner with the family dinner alone, dinner date, variations on a theme, rinse and repeat. If you're lucky, all this resumption and repetition gets some momentum toward a pleasant end. And I don't mean your death. I mean your life, fulfilled, fulfilling, meaningful more than wasted, so the monotonous moments blur more easily together to make way in your memory for the happy moments, the thrilling moments, time with those you care about, time with those who care about you, time doing what you want to do more than what you have to do or maybe finding something that happens to make those two things one and the same. We don't all want career, love, marriage, children. We certainly don't all want them in that order. To be fair, Rita might not be listing those things by order of importance in that scene, but there are fundamental truths in how she boils it down. We could all do with a career or a pastime that makes us more whole, makes us feel like we're contributing something to the world around us. Even a guy who tries to tear down the world around him does it because he hopes the world that results after is something better than what he's seeing in the present. Or I'd like to think so, anyway. And barring insanity, I suppose. But that just makes for a different way of seeing. Not necessarily a different way of wanting. We all want to do things that we enjoy, or things we can put up with while we mark the moments between joys. We all want to be able to pass our time intrigued and interested in what surrounds us. And we want to share that with someone else as well. The human is a social animal, as cliched as that might sound. Even in our most misanthropic moments, we surely long for someone as misanthropic as us to share it, to fuel our rants about what's wrong with everybody else, what's wrong with the world, how this thing or that thing is ruining it all. I heard recently, it might have been something Stephen Toblowski mentioned at the Festival of Books, actually, that the reason a breakup hurts is because while you are with someone, you become someone else, a new version of yourself. There's some core being, sure, but your personality is shaped by those around you, and the more someone is around you, a lover, a spouse, a best friend, family, the more that person shapes who you are, who you become, and the more you do the same for them. Charlie Kaufman notes, in the interview on the back of the published version of the screenplay for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, quote, 
Almost everything you see about Clementine in the film is Joel, really. End quote. That rings true to me. So much of who our lover is, who our kids are, who our friends are, is just a facet of ourself we project out into the world and they fill a niche within it. We create our impressions, and much of it is fueled more by our subjectivity than anything even remotely objective. For the most part, Coffin says, you're constructing the person. Phil, in a way, does just that, deliberately, in Groundhog Day. He also obviously does quite the opposite, deliberately reshaping his self to fit a mold he thinks Rita has for her perfect guy. The problem, really, is that no matter how much Rita can tell him, on purpose or in passing, about her perfect guy, maybe she doesn't really know who her perfect guy is. Maybe she just thinks she knows. And Phil squeezing and stretching his self to fit into that role and her still rejecting him may be more of a critique of Rita's wants than Phil's actions. It doesn't have to be marriage, though. I'm not sure I believe that we all have to have that kind of love, that we need a mate and a marriage, legally bound or just de facto. But I do believe we all need and want some sort of love. We want to receive it, we want to give it, we want to make connections with the people around us, if for no other reason, just to prove we're human ourselves, that we belong somewhere. Whether we look to Maslow or Glass or one of our basic drives seems to be a need for a sense of belonging. But what about the children thing? On the one hand, it seems innate, the need to procreate. A species that doesn't have that need, or at least an urge to mate, wouldn't survive. So it's safe to say every species on this planet wants to procreate. I put wants in quotation marks, though, because I don't want to imply a conscious effort, even with people. I don't know if it has to be a conscious effort. Hell, we can make a conscious effort not to have kids. But in a way, having children is a little like the other wants. Rita espouses. We want to know that it mattered that we existed when it comes time for us to shuffle off this mortal coil, to not be forgotten by the world. That's why mind-numbing jobs are so horrible. Pushing papers, as they say, never feels like something that matters. We want to matter. If we can't get a career that does something good for the world, then we can fall back to having kids and supporting them, raising them up to have a better chance than we did at finding that way to make a mark. It doesn't have to be kids. It doesn't have to be marriage. It doesn't even have to be love, necessarily, but something more like belonging. It certainly doesn't have to be a job, but it has to be something. We need something. If we didn't need something, we would stagnate and die. Today's reason to repeat a day forever. To give my wants a break for a while. See what happens. Then, to get what I want. Everything I can think of wanting. Try everything, do everything, and sort it all out for that perfect time loop exit day. Then to live. And that's the end of the blog entry. But I guess I would add, after all that, if it doesn't go well, maybe you just erase it and try again. Thank you for listening. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for Minutia Ex Machina, every Wednesday for the Groundhog Day Project, Minute by Minute, and every Thursday for more Eternal Sunshine. Follow the show on Twitter at Spotless underscore Minute, and on Instagram and Facebook at Spotless Minute. This has been a production of Lemming Drop Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com, or join the Facebook group Lemming Drop Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. 